singing the Psalms. Just something about singing right from Scripture. I also enjoyed the children. Uh, you can tell spring is here. All the, the beautiful dresses that the young ladies were wearing. And uh, it built up my faith as Carlos asked the, the children, Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? And to see their, their young heads uh, so vigorously nodding yes. We are working our way through the book of John. We are in uh, verses, chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. So that last uh, little portion of John 1, beginning with verse 43. And this is the Word of God. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. Almighty God, we lift up this prayer to you. Um, it ascends upon the Son of Man as He intercedes for us. And I pray that uh, the blessing of understanding that comes by your, your Spirit would descend upon Him and be upon us that we would not only understand but believe and obey Your Word. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus lived 30 years on earth before He began His public ministry. Except for the extraordinary circumstances of His birth, and of course that occasion where Mary and Joseph accidentally left Jesus behind in Jerusalem when He was a young boy, Except for those two instances, Jesus lived a very low-key uh, uh, life before the beginning of his public ministry. He did not try, try and draw attention to himself. He lived in obscurity and probably worked as a simple carpenter. I didn't add this into my notes because I kept saying, don't mention it, but uh, I saw something yesterday. Uh, apparently there's going to be a new series on one of the networks that's going to focus on the life of Jesus before his public ministry. Um, 
I just gonna. It, it's, it is very likely. High probability of just being trash. So watch out if that should come come around um, maybe this next fall uh, because Jesus did not intend for us to know what his life was like prior to that. Otherwise it would have been recorded in the scripture. There would be a lot of speculation, probably a lot of humanism. So um, I feel a little bit better after mentioning that. <laughs> Uh, But Jesus did not uh, begin his public ministry until he was 30 years old. Why did he wait that long? Well, it was because the Bible says that a priest was not to begin his public ministry until he was 30 years old. According to Numbers 4, a priest could not be ordained to the ministry until that time. Even though Jesus was not a Levite... His ministry was certainly a priestly ministry because he offered himself as the perfect sacrifice of infinite value. And of course you know that the book of Hebrews says that Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. But the point I'm driving at is that when Jesus turned 30 and when he appeared on the scene... Uh, where John the Baptist was uh, carrying out these baptisms by the Jordan River, Jesus made an impact on everyone he met. We've already seen how he met Andrew, and Andrew became one of his followers. And so Andrew rushed off to find his his brother Simon. Uh, Simon met Jesus. Simon changed his name to Peter. And Peter became one of his followers as well. After Jesus left uh, the place where John the Baptist was baptizing, he went up to Galilee. There he met Philip, whereupon Philip also became one of his followers. Have you met Jesus Christ yet? How has he impacted your life? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Philip responded to Jesus' call to follow him by going and seeking out Nathaniel. Philip probably knew that Nathaniel. Uh, Philip knew Nathaniel. He knew his character. He knew that Nathaniel would be interested in meeting the Messiah. And so I can see in my mind's eye Philip running up to to Nathaniel breathlessly, and he blurted out, "We have found him of whom Moses and also the prophets have wrote, Jesus." of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. But Nathanael met this announcement with a bit of skepticism. In verse 46, Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael's response speaks volumes about him. It tells us that Nathanael studied the scriptures in hopes of knowing when the, when the Messiah would come to earth. Undoubtedly, he would expect that the Messiah would come not from Nazareth, but from Bethlehem. He knew that the Bible nowhere predicted that the Messiah would come from Nazareth. And this tells us that that, uh, Nathaniel is very likely a believer. Like Simeon and Anna in the first couple of chapters of Luke, who were looking for Israel's consolation, who was longing 
He was longing for the Messiah to come. Nathaniel's skepticism is an honest skepticism. And so Philip doesn't engage him in argument. He simply says, and you remember back a couple of weeks ago to the sermon, Come and See. He simply says to Nathaniel, Come and see. In other words, give Jesus a fair hearing. See for yourself. God has His people and who are elect from before the foundation of the world. They are out there. And they are waiting, even though they don't know it. They are waiting for God's people to come and point them to Jesus Christ. It may be as simple as inviting a person to church or showing some person compassion in Jesus' name. And that might be that spark that God uses to draw them to Himself. Nathaniel did not need to be dragged uh, to see Jesus. He went eagerly. And as they were approaching, Jesus saw Nathaniel, and he opened the conversation before Philip could make any of the introductions. Jesus said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And he said this to Nathaniel without ever having met him. Jesus could read Nathaniel about as easily as most of us can read a book. Jesus made a stunning statement about Nathaniel's character. It's, it's one thing for people to know you as an honest person. It's quite another thing for Jesus to declare that you're an honest person. The Greek phrase here where, where Jesus says, uh, "...an Israelite in whom there is no deceit." Uh, this Greek phrase means one who is not false, one who is without guile or deceit. In short, it means exactly what it says. It means that Jesus said to Nathaniel, You are an honest person. It's very refreshing to me to hear Jesus say that to a to a mere human being, to a sinner no less. We live in such a dishonest culture that it's tempting to believe that everyone is dishonest. And believing that everyone is dishonest makes it easier to be dishonest yourself. But there are honest people in whom there is no deceit. I can think of people in our own congregation. Um... At the risk of embarrassing them, I think of the Shermans uh, every time I read this passage. I like the way Matthew Henry described Nathaniel's character. He said, Nathaniel is one in whom there is no guile. That is the character of an Israelite indeed, a Christian indeed. No guile towards men, a man without trick or design, a man that one may trust. No guile towards God. That is, sincere in his repentance for sin, sincere in his covenant with God, in whose spirit is no guile. He does not say without guilt but without guile. Though in many things he is foolish and forgetful, yet in nothing false, nor wickedly departing from God. He is not painted, though he has spots. And so that's 
uh, Matthew Henry's description. Let me ask you, are you an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit? Christ did not intend to flatter Nathaniel, but to prepare him for the next statement. But before we look at Jesus' next statement, I love Nathaniel's response in verse 48. Nathaniel said, How do you know me? In other words, yeah, what you're saying is true. <laughs> um, this is not a false humility, nor is there a prideful response on Nathaniel's part. Nathaniel knew he was honest. He worked at being honest. Because being honest for a sinner is not an easy thing to do. To prove Nathaniel, or to prove to Nathaniel that Jesus really knew him, Jesus said something to Nathaniel that only Nathaniel knew. He said in verse 48, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus knows you when you are alone. When no one else is able to see you, Jesus has His eye upon you. Even when you are not thinking of Him, He is thinking of you. He sees into your soul. He sees your inmost thoughts. He even knows the intentions and the thoughts of your hearts. Your deepest thoughts. Your deepest longings. Now I'm sure that everybody is wanting to know, what did Jesus see? Or what was, what was Nathaniel doing underneath that fig tree? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us, of course. But I think I know what Nathaniel was doing. Uh, it seems obvious to me that Nathaniel was sitting under that fig tree praying. In fact, I think he was crying out to God that God would send the Messiah in his lifetime. In other words, I believe Jesus is telling Nathaniel when he said, I saw you underneath the fig tree. I think he's saying to Nathaniel, I am your answered prayer. Nathaniel praying under the fig tree reminds me of one of my favorite places for prayer. When I was still at Georgia Southern College, uh, before I transferred to Covenant College, I would drive my truck. Uh, there was this house, Mandy knows where it is, it was out in the middle of a cornfield where I was living uh, in this pasture's basement. And out beyond that, there was a pecan uh, or as we say in the, the South, pecan orchard. And pecans are grown in the South. I think we, we have the right to call them what we want to. And so it's a pecan orchard out there. And I would go and I would park my truck underneath those trees and it would give me shade. And I, would, I took a, a lawn chair. I would sit out in the bed, bed of my pickup truck. And there I would read my Bible. I would pray and I'd sing hymns to God because no one else could hear me. And I'd do this for, for hours at a time. And I sat, sat in the back of the truck because I hate snakes and pecans are going to draw little rodents and that's going to draw snakes. I didn't want to be distracted uh, from my fellowship with God so I, I sat in the back of my pickup truck in a lawn chair um, looking like the redneck that I am. <laughs> 
I've always had my favorite places to pray, um, where I can be alone and lift up my voice to God. And it seems like when I go to those favorite places, that God's there waiting on me. And that my communion with Him is so sweet, and my prayers are especially earnest. If you struggle to have an effective prayer life, let me urge you, let me encourage you, find a regular place to seek God earnestly. Find that place where you don't go very often. Well, you do want to go there often to pray. But go where it just automatically tugs at your heart. This is where I meet my God. Now, of course, God is everywhere. Uh, Place is not important. Posture is not important. But our hearts are so weak. Our hearts are so drawn in on ourselves that sometimes we need that little kickstart. And if it means going to a a specific location to help you, um, then by all means, find that location. Nathaniel's experience under that fig tree, I'm suggesting, was so intimate and private that only God could have known about it. Christ knows all your seekings, all your desirings after Him. He sees your tears. He hears your groans. He knows your longings. Thomas Watson, one of the Puritans, said, Never has a true heart sought Christ without Christ being well aware of it. I know it is common feeling for Christians to think that their prayers rarely rise above the ceiling. Don't believe it. Christ hears. He knows. Every prayer reaches the ear of God. How do we know that? Because Christ ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Oh, Nathaniel, he hears this. Before before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Well, Nathaniel is convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. There's no hesitation in Nathaniel's response. His confession is quick. It's decisive. It's unreserved. He cried out, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Nathaniel's not simply making a statement at this point or or some assertion, mental assertion. No, he is casting himself upon Jesus Christ. He is bowing himself completely, mind, heart, and will to King Jesus. Just as I said at the beginning of the sermon, when people meet Jesus... He impacts their life. He changes and transforms their life. They cast everything aside to cast themselves wholly and completely upon Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. Do you know what makes Jesus happy? He loves it when we trust in Him. I don't mean in the sense that we're doing Jesus a favor by trusting in Him because all our faith and trust is God's gift to us, Ephesians um, 2, 8, and 9. We only trust Christ because it has been granted to us from above. All the same, it really makes Jesus happy 
when we trust in Him. Young people, do you hear that? Children, do you hear that? It really makes Jesus happy when we trust in Him. And I think the reason it makes Him so happy is He's rejoicing in God's work in us. So in verse 50, Jesus told Nathanael that He's going to reward Nathanael's faith with even greater blessings. Look at verse 50. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Well, what is it that Nathanael's going to see? Well, Nathanael became one of the twelve disciples. So he saw the transfiguration. He saw the miracles. He met the resurrected Christ. He witnessed the ascension. But in verse 51, Jesus told Nathanael specifically, I'm having a hard time with that this morning, I keep wanting to say specifically, specifically what he would see. He would see Jesus as the mediator between heaven and earth, the mediator between God and man. Look at verse 51. And, and Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. We just finished um, preaching through the entire book of Genesis. And so I know this book, this picture that Jesus paints for Nathaniel is going to be very familiar to you. Uh, Jesus is drawing, of course, from Jacob's dream. Remember Jacob's dream at Bethel when he lay down as he was fleeing from his brother? He had this dream. We call it Jacob's ladder. There was this ladder, and the angels of God were ascending and descending upon this ladder. Well, Jesus is drawing from this, painting this same picture um, before Nathaniel, and he says to, to, to Nathaniel, You're going to see the same things. Well, actually, it's not exactly the same thing, it's not the same picture if you look closely. What's missing? What's different? Well, there is no ladder here in verse 51. In Jesus' description, the ladder's missing. The angels are there. They are, they're ascending. They're descending. But there's no ladder. Where's the ladder? What is it that the angels are ascending and descending upon? Children. Have you ever seen someone uh, climbing up and climbing down without a ladder? Well, what they are doing is they are ascending and descending upon Christ. Verse 51 again, they were just ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What Jesus is teaching Nathaniel here is that Christ is the only way between heaven and earth. He's the only way between God and man. Christ is the mediator. He's the go-between. He's the, the latter, so to speak. Jesus is saying that He is the only way into heaven. You cannot climb up on your own merit. You cannot climb up on your own good works. You cannot climb up on your parents' backs. You cannot buy your way into heaven. 
It is only through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no person comes to the Father except through Him. It also means that our prayers climb upon Jesus up to God. And God's blessings are lowered down to us upon Jesus. Jesus uses this picture of angels because they are ministering spirits, the book of Hebrews tells us, sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. I want to conclude by making the obvious applications. I want to encourage you that you are never alone in this world. We've got widows and widowers in this congregation. I want to remind you, you are never, ever alone. We've got young people, young children in the congregation. I want to remind you, you are never, ever alone. Life can be difficult. Sometimes life can be desperate. But you have a mediator that knows you. He knows your character through and through. Well, that's supposed to be encouraging. <laughs> well, yes it is. Because He came to change your character to be more like His through ongoing repentance and trust in Him. He knows you in secret just like He knew Nathaniel underneath that fig tree. He knows things about you that no one else knows. He knows who you really are what you most deeply desire, where you struggle most. He knows your joys. He knows your sorrows. He knows your successes. He knows your failures. And He loves you unconditionally. So much so that He was willing to be nailed to that cross and become sin for sinners so that in Him we might be the righteousness of God. And He is always there, ready to receive your prayers and pass them along to the Father. He helps you in your prayers even as you pray. And He stands, he stands always ready to bless us with those blessings that are custom-tailored to our individual needs. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we lift this prayer not in our own abilities, but in your strength, knowing that you will offer them up to the Father through your perfect and continual intercession in our behalf. For we could not approach you were we not righteous in you. We could not lift up prayers that would honor you had you not changed us, transformed us, regenerated us, awakened us from our spiritual death and brought us to spiritual life. Lord, we lift up this prayer through you. Therefore, we lift it up in Christ's in Christ's name, asking that you would comfort those who need comforting. 
encourage those who are who need encouraging. Father, I pray that you would commune the, with those who are feeling lonely. Father, I pray that you would grant continual repentance and trust in you in order that we might reflect the image of Christ before a watching world and bring glory and honor to Him. We ask these things through Him and for His glory. Amen.